Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by the Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two, whilst occasionally sampling a beer, Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing with this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Welcome to 2024. So Market Report for week commencing 8th of January 2024, the first of the new year. We're going to continue our podcast. The talk today is between Ian and a good friend of his, Tom Goodley. And basically the theme of where will our food come from is going to continue. So we have a guy who trades in farmland. They argue themselves what he's, what he's actually titled as. But, you know, who is buying the land is the question. Mark Twain famously said years ago, buy land. They stopped making it years ago. And I think nowadays it's more buy land so you can pretend to be green and continue screwing the planet. So is it farmers at the front of the queue anymore? Or is it environmental fund buyers? Or is it people who are buying over land and planting trees on it? Which goes against the grain, if you'll pardon the pun. So yeah, it's an interesting insight into who actually is out there doing the buying nowadays and what that actually means in terms of whether that land will continue to be food producing, which is our big concern. So yeah, and I think the following week we've got the guy coming on to talk about the land being taken up for solar. Let's get on with the rest of the podcast is going to be a reminder of the Norfolk dinner, details of the podcast walk. And yeah, I think that's so we might as well get down to the the real nitty gritty of prices because some of you are in a bit little lost without me telling you what to do. And I will start this week's podcast with the declaration without any shadow of a doubt. If anyone wishes to listen back over the last month or so of our prediction of what would happen through December and the little price rally with a very thin market and then the boom, it comes down again. that's exactly what's happened. So we predicted the future and it was good advice telling you to get on with selling it if you needed to get it moved. Spot prices for feed grains in particular are particularly dire at the moment. So let's start with a simple one, oilseed rape. January value for that 350x. And if you look at harvest prices, new crop 354x for harvest movement. So it's better technically next year's prices. Very flat market. Demand is down, but supply is very limited. And our view on that one has been close your eyes and run it. We can't see much downside because there isn't that much supply. I accept they can import stuff, but I think it ain't going to go much lower. And that's enough of a reason to just keep running it. And new crop, you know, limited demand. New crop is in trouble. It's either drowned or being eaten alive, isn't it? So let's face it, I don't think that's one you sell either. Moving on to another utterly dire and miserable conversation, which is feed barley. X farm 150 for Feb and harvest, guess value, immediate movement 150. I doubt that's break even. I don't know, but that's what the price of feed barley is. It seems to be an enormous discount to feed wheat at the moment. Maybe that will change with next year's lack of supply of everything. 
Skipping swiftly on, old crop, malting barley, currently no one's really, you know, back from Christmas yet, everyone's pretending they don't care and, you know, the odd fixing turning up, a few molsters a bit behind with some of the deliveries, there's lots of talk about brewery demand being down, distilling demand being down, the world's going to end, but there is a very limited supply of very good malting barley, there is a large amount of export leaving the country quite successfully, it will become tight, this year's crop has to be used right the way through till next October pretty well, and that's a very long way to go. I think it would be foolish to jump in and abandon ship, if you like. In saying that, relative to other prices, it's held up reasonably well. So just around, you know, if you've got something specific, Mottling Valley is one of those things that you can say, right, this is what my sample is, and then someone can definitive price to it. You need to wave it in front of their noses. So if you haven't spoken to us and you've got some barley that isn't moving, you know, if it's a variety that someone talked you into growing that we weren't saying as a mainstream one, like electric, then fine you we're kind of struggling with that like everybody else is but the other mainstream varieties that we recommended there is a market for them rough value winter barley 230x springtime movement spring barley's 240x sort of march movement something like that just hold your breath on it i think there's as i say wave the samples of people or just wait i think there's there's life in that one yet a uh, new crop malting barley price is also in the doldrums just you know the, the big story on that one is the size of the spring barley crop the amount of seed that's been sold and the trade is quite happy to repeat the same story even though they haven't really thought it through because it sounds good the reality is there is an enormous spring barley crop potentially coming a load of people who are growing it are people who shouldn't be growing it because they're coming from the wrong counties there's a good reason and i've said this in podcasts over the last five years there's a good reason why all the maltings are in eastern england it's because we get the barley we have the coastal weather we have the perfect cream of the crop and if you stick the stuff in the ground in northamptonshire some parts of lincolnshire some parts of cambridgeshire you end up with needly ugly manky looking stuff you know it's not as pretty as our girls so in other words you know malting barley Yes, there's bucket loads of it in the ground, but people who historically have struggled growing it will probably struggle to grow it. Who knows what that weather's going to do to us yet? And who knows whether you're going to plant it yet? There's a good one. At point of recording, we've got another 30 mil of rain coming tomorrow, and the River Bure at Aylsham is as close as I've seen it to breaking the banks since the early 80s, and it hasn't broken the banks of the river since then, so that'll be exciting. Not for the landowners. So moving on from malting barley... I think we'll go on to the mainstay. I've, I've already bragged about getting the market right on wheat. Well, the market spot, Janstroke Feb, 175x farm. That's been a price that farmers didn't want to tolerate all the way from harvest right the way through. It's still there. In the short term, Feb, March, I don't think prices are going to... Certainly during January and February, I do not see prices improving. I see them, if anything, it being a struggle to move it. We have the benefit if we people get in a real muddle where we can take some stuff into our stores and tender them on the futures. That's not ideal for the UK grain trade, I don't think, but at least it gives us an out and somewhere we can actually, you know, give someone a delivery point somewhere reasonably close to home and not drag it out to Mongolia. So as long as the futures are holding up, then we've got a half decent price that we can pay delivered into some of our local stores. Talk to us if you if that interests you. So values March 178, April 182. Big jumps in the prices. May, everyone's already sold bucket loads of May. I don't really care about May, but, I'll, you know, 184 is a token value. I'll pay 187 for June, which is a full, you know, 12 quid more than the Jam Fed price, or 190x for July. I see June-July prices remaining reasonably firm relative to everything else. In the meantime, everyone's fighting each other to sell physical wheat to make sure they can get their farmer stuff moved. 
And new crop prices, we believe that the spread between new and old crop will go out. It's currently trading about £12.50 a tonne between the May and the Nov. I think at the very peak of it, it will go out to something like £20 a tonne. So expect that to stay in that region. So Nov futures at point of recording is about £206 a tonne. And May futures are around £193.50, £193. I'm recording this on the Thursday evening, not on Friday morning this week. 12.50 is a level which is, you know, getting bigger all the time. I see that going out to 14.15, maybe 16 quid without too much trouble. The final bit of it, I think, will be much nearer the end of the season. But clearly, with the troubles of new crop and the flooding and the stuff sitting in massive lakes of water, there is a supply problem and there is already certainty that we won't have as much supply as there is physical demand on new crop so therefore the only place that can be filled in is by importing it or if we carry from this year to next and that carry is has to be higher than the the what it is at the moment and if you take my price for july wheat 190 versus a november exxon price currently of about 193 at squeeze it's only three pound more money to carry it and if you get the money in the bank it's worth at least a pound a month to you plus you empty your barn plus you've got space and no hassle putting two crop years together in your store so you can see why the price has to go out in order to tempt a farmer to keep it other than hiding his pride and pretending he had sold it previously or whatever he's going through ego trip which merchants also suffer from at times i will add so it's not universally just farmers milling wheat is holding up so rough figure 246x for march if you've got milling wheat wave it at us we would be as interested as everybody else is everybody seems to know or care about milling wheat but there isn't that much of it so yeah we want it if you've got it i know where you can get it if you want it he said to the miller anyway right that moves on let me remind you the norfolk dinner is the 18th most people have booked their place and everybody's coming and it's all sorted out and probably too late to get a table anyway but double checking who we invited and who we didn't because i can't remember half the people i said oh you coming with us and then never wrote the names down but i'm sure everybody's covered double check we've got a list of names who's coming now and who isn't so we should have everybody there the thing to know is that it's in a different venue again this year they're doing the halls up which is where we went last time which was a great venue so next year hopefully they'll be done and ready for us but this year we're in the forum which is where the old library in Norwich used to stand which is right next door to the city hall there's a great big tower made of brick with a clock on top of it in the middle of the town right in the marketplace that is the city hall and to the opposite end of the city hall to the tower is this big glass thing that is called the forum that is where we're going to be in a very trendy looking place and we've managed to close the pizza express a sort of balcony over the top so no one's gonna be spitting bits of pepperami over us but it's in the forum and it should we've got the same meat supplier as last year which got great compliments the thing we'd like you to know is that the bar is open from 6 p.m there is sponsored beer there which if you buy the beer there it's cheaper than buying it in the local pubs by a country mile and secondly the profit from that goes to the charities that we're trying to raise some money for so if you're going to go and have a pre-dinner drink by all means get out there and do what you're going to do but try and get there a little bit early and start drinking the beer so we can make some money for the charities and lastly we managed to clear all the beer up which was great and then obviously most people moved on to cuba revs somewhere down the road and kept drinking and then whatever else they did so the forum and sit down i think is 7 30 for eating but 6 p.m is where you want to be there onwards to drink the beer it will be cold. The weather forecast is looking colder and colder as we get towards the end of the month, so make sure you wear your big thermal pants just in case you get chilly. And the podcast walk is Monday the 29th of January, 
2pm, the what three words are bedrock, slant, tank. And for anyone who looks at that, it's our Cantley site. Uh, we're going to walk from there to Monday the 29th of Jan, 2pm, bedrock, slant, tank. Or in English, the air grain site at Cantley is our starting place. Other than that, I think that's it for this week. It's great to be back. Ian and the land agent is next and yeah you know keep your chin up I appreciate the prices are pretty cruddy at the moment it isn't going to cure itself in the next four to five weeks so if you do need to move something bite the bullet get on with it get out your hair get the money in the bank and then you know then go back out with your spade and start digging water off the fields again thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours This week, I have kindly roped in a good friend of mine. A lot of people have got some probably pretty awful words to say about Mr. Tom Goodley. <laughs> Historically, we did have a land agent on, correct myself. He was a farm agribusiness consultant, and I managed to cock up and get it wrong. So I'll let you introduce yourself, Goodies. What would you refer to yourself as? Well, thanks, Ian. Wonderful introduction, as expected. What do I do? I work for Strutton Parker. I'm a chartered surveyor and predominantly, certainly over the last probably 18 months, two years, I've been more sort of farm agency work and combined with some estate agency work too. So within that, you're in the ladder agency, you're Mm -hmm. acting for both buyers and sellers? Yeah, so it's all brokerage work. I don't do any management work, so it's exactly that. It's selling land and farms and estates and looking to try and buy some farms and land for retained clients as well and at the same time though I do also I do do some houses some estate agency work as well but I'm very lucky I've got two very good guys Ian and Will who work with me who do most of the houses now and you had the prestige of having one of the biggest properties in Norfolk in history yeah we did we were very privileged to be entrusted with the sale of Walterton which for those who don't know is is a stately home sits actually not far from your offices it's just north of Aylsham and yeah so we knew the owners I knew the owner for quite a while and we'd done a little bit of professional work there and given a bit of advice over the years and then gradually the sort of natural cycle and came to an end and the owner thought well actually I'm not getting any younger I'm gonna perhaps move on and so yeah so we prepared a sale and yeah we dealt with that this summer which was fantastic sort of thing you only get once in a career. The, the brochure, I mean, I've heard about it, but you kind of bought the brochure in it and it looks incredible. Yes. The brochure is a work of art, very limited edition, Webby, so you're very lucky to get one of these. Thank in fact, much. I might have to send you an invoice. Yeah, so our client, he was very, very keen that we did a really good job. So, yeah, it's 86 pages. It started off at about 50 and then gradually got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and loads of photographs. We're very proud of it. I did like a piece, I think you were quoting the Times before the sale saying, 35 bedrooms, that's 70 bedside lampshades. Yeah, well, you just forget about these things with when you've got very big houses. And because with this, it wasn't just the house, you know, which with the East Wing's about 40,000 square feet. It was also the fact there's quite a lot of cottages as well okay. and holiday lets. So, yes, if you've got, I think in total, oh, I think it was, yeah, 30-odd bedrooms. Exactly. You know, you've got to think, right. I've got to buy. We need 70 bedside tables and we need everything else you need with all those bedrooms. So it was a big undertaking, the whole thing. But do you know what? We had a great team working on it. The the clients were fantastic. The buyers as well, just delightful. And they had a good agent helping them, which was really good. And two good sets of solicitors as well. Is that, um, sadly, good as, is that your pinnacle? Is that it? Have I, you're saying, have I peaked, peaked, Webby? Have I peaked? Is that it? 
Well, it's going to be a tricky second album, put it that way. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll see. One day, I'm going to start, I don't know, I have to write to King Charles and see if he wants to sell Sandrine or something. But I don't know. It's going to be a tricky one to follow. But, do you know, I like the variety, be it big stuff, small stuff. It just it's, anything's interesting, yeah. you know, especially on the land side. You meet so many interesting people who are at different stages in their lives. And, yeah. Completely. I mean, we see the same as you do. You know, farming has got the variety of life, hasn't it? You've got absolutely everyone, which is a part of the fun of it. Dealing with people, really, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, completely. If you're in our business and you don't, or you haven't got the ability to try and get on with everybody, but a bit like a sort of chameleon, you're going to struggle. So, yes, you've got to enjoy meeting people and trying to find something interesting to talk about, you know, building Would I, um, not to abuse you too much, would you find or meet most people on the golf course or the shooting <laughs> field? <laughs> <laughs> so business development is a critical part of what we do webby as you well know you know if you're in the pub uh, exactly. and the black boys in aylsham on a tuesday afternoon you meet people all different places you know norfolk show is very good you never know where you're going to meet someone yeah, you know experience. i mean when i used to live up here is my i grew up just outside Oldborough, so i used to play a bit of rugby for holt badly but had a lot of fun and that was great you know for building your own network it's really important actually because you never know when you're going to get that no, phone call and say, look, exactly. can you just come and help me with this or yeah. give me some advice on something? So, yeah. yeah, it's important. Going to the gritty of it, so we, we've invited you on, good as one you've been on the hit list of wanting to chat to about land values. But So we're recognising a bit of a trend at the moment, buyers of land, and who are the current buyers? That's what intrigues us. What's mm. farming going to look like in the next 10 years? Well, it's a very interesting time for buying and selling farms and land and you know all I can really do I suppose is just profile a little bit some of the buyers and yeah. sellers that we've had this year you know without giving away any you know confidences so we've traded just in our Norfolk office this year we've traded about 3,600 acres this year which is quite a lot we did help with buying one two three decent sized units and w- would these be publicly marketed or no so of those Two and a half thousand acres of that is it has been done privately. So there was a farm in North Norfolk, not a million miles from here, which I heard a a rumor on the on the grapevine that it might be coming up for sale. We, as a company, Strutt and Parker, we were retained by a uh, a European fund who were interested in getting a foothold into farming, and they weren't necessarily location specific ideally had a requirement on what their return was going to be and therefore they really were looking for good quality commercial mm. farmland i've now worked out who you talk about and that is i'd say one of the best farms locally it is a belter of a farm yeah it's a cracking yeah. farm you know yield wise you know very very good and i suspect you know hearing anecdotally the sort of local pea group about the yields that they could achieve you know mm. we, we were impressed so very quietly i'm hearing that and thinking okay this is probably something we should definitely have a crack at so we went back to our clients and just said look we've heard a rumor about this why don't you come over and have a look so they flew over we had a look at it we put together a sort of feasibility study of it and an idea of where i think we're going to need to be to buy it and contacted who i know was selling the vendor's agent because they were going to bring it to the open market this year mm. and our clients decided having lost out on some stuff last year 22 which went to best and final offers in other parts mm. of the country that they wanted to take it out of the market so fine ultimately they, they came up made a strong offer yep. straightforward had the money able to proceed 
Seller was happy. Well, yeah, I, th- I think I think very happy because you know also we gave them a lot of flexibility on timescales, mm-hmm. so you know they can continue to to enjoy their farming year. Because for any seller, generally, it's quite an emotional thing yeah. and a massive decision. So trying to make that a little bit easier is quite important actually, mm-hmm. and holds a bit of value. So yeah, so that all went well. Our clients have then put in a local contractor who's doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> And at the moment, albeit it's been a challenging autumn, but I think all the potatoes are out and all the wheat's in, so that's fine. And yeah, you know, that's just one example, I suppose. And motivation for buying, they have a fund which, you know, agriculture forms a part of. They wanted some exposure to that as well. So they felt that compared to parts of Europe, our land values are perhaps a little bit behind. From what you're saying, the general returns at the moment are quite slim, aren't they? investment on capital but a lot yeah. of people generally looking at these are capital investments aren't they for the longer run capital appreciation yeah they are and they're looking at long-term capital growth they're also looking at other opportunities and you know as with all farming you know, have good years and bad years and medium years and that's just something they factor in you can put together the best budget you can in the world but ultimately you can't control what's happening mm. in the sky so for us for them they wanted a, a sort of minimum requirement ideally trying to get return on capital of somewhere around two percent if they can get that okay. they're doing well and you know when we were initially running budgets with the wheat prices where they were last year you know that was achievable now it's a bit more difficult. So with your market, have you got sort of like a multitude of buyers and sellers? I mean, how's the supply and demand balance of land at the moment? Yeah, so there are still quite a few buyers in the market. I mean, looking specifically at Norfolk, which is what I know about, there are patches of the county where there are a good number of buyers who are well-funded. They perhaps don't necessarily rely on just agriculture to fund the purchases they will probably have other business interests and farming will form a part of that and owning land is not just about return it's about enjoyment it's about efficient tax planning um, and it's also about control to a certain extent as well so a combination of reasons so yeah you know when you look around Norfolk you've got some hot spots so you know if, if, if farm comes up with I don't know one of our competitors in a certain area you know the sort of light bulb goes off and you think right we know who'd be interested in that and then we perhaps go and talk to them and see if we can help them and likewise if you're selling you know if you're acting for a vendor and you're looking to sell a farm or some land which is in a certain area then yeah you think there's a good chance that there's going to be some good competition but what you can't always know is who is in the market from away who's fresh into the market okay and are you seeing quite a bit of that we've seen yeah more than you think, actually. Yeah. So looking, again, going back to some of the things we've dealt with. So we sold, last summer, we sold farm on the open market in and around Briston. Yeah, that's what, that's what we used to deal with the uh, the previous. Okay, yeah, so, so, yeah. so exactly that. So yeah. um, we, we were selling on behalf of some executors and the family. And with that farm, it, very, it was very easy to see how you'd lotted up. It was in mm. three distinct bits. Mm. And, you know, there were some good landowners surrounding that area however as it transpired actually somebody from away who'd sold a business successfully uh, was buying a because they like farming and b bit of tax planning and they came in and decided to buy the whole thing so yeah you know it's it's interesting mm. and uh, nice block for him to get so good area good yeah farm. nice block of land quite a bit of scope to do various things got some redundant barns on it the land is pretty good it's got water mm. so yeah all in all uh, 
yeah, a good farm to buy, I think. You're right. And are you noticing a trend of anyone coming in to buy land, looking into the future for, let's say, whether it's carbon offsetting, biodiversity net gains, all that sort of... You know, that in our world, we're seeing a lot of land going out of agricultural production into the environmental schemes now. Yeah, more and more. I think probably less in Norfolk because just of the geography and of the land we've got. But there are... But, I mean, we sold a farm down at Shropham on the open market, about mm-hmm. just under 700 acres, with lots of environmental features already. You know, our, our client was very keen to put it into quite an intensive countryside stewardship scheme. And the buyers, again, is, a, is an environmental fund who've bought quite a few different farms and estates throughout the UK. They've bought more land up in Scotland. They've bought peat bogs. They've bought bits okay. of whales. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> they decided to buy this mainly because, you know, it can support lots of wildlife and could be a very interesting environmental project. Whether they've bought it necessarily for carbon offsetting or... Sounds a bit more sort of lifestyle or environmental kind of looking at the... Yeah, a little bit more, I think. They they sort of want to push the boundaries and see where they can get to. But also, you know, there have been a couple of farms in Norfolk which have been sold, which are arable, were arable farms, which are being planted with trees, which is interesting. I don't necessarily, you know, to take decent quality arable farmland in one instance with water and to plant it with trees. Does seem a bit of a waste. Well, that's, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, as you know, I'm a, mm. from farming stock and I, yeah, it's still slightly struggle mm. to get my head around it. We had uh, the previous uh, agribusiness consultant that was in here, get it right. <laughs> um, he said to me with that, yes, some of the returns might be good, but your capital, you know, the value of your land dramatically drops. Dealing with that post, let's say you've got, what's it, 30 years? Would you have a, a, a woodland? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because we haven't really got there yet. But yes, woodland value now is quite a way below decent quality commercial mm. farmland. So, yeah, I think the danger is you're not necessarily thinking 25, 30 years ahead. You know, if things change and alter, that next generation, they're going to be left with, well, you know, some woodland. Which is fine, but... <laughs> From out-and-out land values then, it sounds like the land market is quite firm and buoyant then. Yeah, it is. I think, you know, I get asked all the time, what's the land value? Well, what is it? Where is it? Has it got water? Has it been well farmed? As a rule of thumb at the moment, I would say we've seen prices in Norfolk, East Anglia, and across the country anywhere between probably 7.5 all the way up to 15, depending on what it is and where it is. You know, for grade 3, unirrigated land in norfolk you know be it beckle series or burlingham series you know soils you'd probably at the moment if somebody said can you put it on the market you'd probably guide it at about eight and a half eight seven fifty and then hope to get some competition drive the price up fingers crossed and are you seeing historically going back 10 years ago you would have lotted a farm up and you would have probably had four neighbors all piling in to do that is is that still occurring or is it more an outside buyer kind of yeah, I think lotting is very important because you need, with any farm sale, you, you know, you need ideally to have good local interest. So, you know, by making it accessible, there might, there might be 120 acres, which is next to somebody who's always wanted to buy it. Well, they're going to go hard to try and buy it. Yeah. And therefore, if the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, then that's obviously good for mm, the clients. Mm. So, yeah, lotting's important. And I think as well... A little bit, you know, it's been quite interesting actually in parts of the country. The heat's just gone out of the market in in areas where there is a lot less amenity value. 
Okay. So parts of Lincolnshire, for example, we've been buying some farms there and selling some farms up there. And we probably, I mean, you know, it's hard to say, but probably just, you know, a couple hundred quid an acre, perhaps off where it was okay. 18 months is, ago. Is that just a reflection on the market sentiment of what's happening with, you know, arable well, crop production? Well, I think you're right. It yeah. is. And, you know, suddenly BPS is gone, mm. interest rates are up, mm. machinery is expensive, wheat Farm prices aren't where we thought it was going to be. Lots of yeah. grain traders taking a massive cut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it all means it is quite hard work yeah. um, at the moment. So, yeah. you know, we are still getting quite a few rollover buyers as well. Okay. So yeah. we've done quite a bit of work. I bought privately on behalf of a long-standing client of ours, bought a, a large block of land in northwest Norfolk this year. Mm. And, yeah, so that's driven partly by a bit of rollover. Mm. Do you change your trails according to the area you're in? So would you would you flash out the... That sounds really offensive to West Norfolk farmer. But would the electric purple cords come out for West <laughs> Norfolk? I don't possess any electric purple cords, Webby. I was um, gonna, the other question I was going to ask you, how, how many years you have to qualify to be able to wear some salmon pinkers? Well, I think salmon pink... I think you need to be... I think you've got to be 55 before you can get away with some salmon pinks. Um, in fact, I'd actually, I think within Norfolk now, I'm trying to think of any other agents. There aren't many who wear the salmon pink, you know, just trying to keep a low profile with the dress, Webby. We're not all like you. I saw your, you had a lovely new jumper on today, but I did, yeah. looked a bit bigger yeah. than perhaps. I shrunk. You, you're gonna... it is. It's not the jumper that got bigger. Oh, really? It looked like a big jumper, actually. All those biscuits. <laughs> I've never seen so many biscuits when I walked in here today. They are literally got... Then they're the big ones, aren't they? The cookies with the chocolate yeah. chocolate chips. Yeah, hazelnut and some pistachio. Yeah, well, yeah you it? and Joe really tuck into those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when I, when I did first start, and I was told by Alistair Brown, who farms up near near Holt, and Alistair was... Um, I worked with him for, for many years. And, you know, building profiles, building networks. So for a while, I did used to have in my car, I'd have about five different ties... Okay. depending on who I was going to see. Okay. So I had, you know, had a whole rugby club tie, had like an Aylsham show tie, probably had a couple of other cricket, like I hope, I hope you had a Walsham rugby club tie in there. Well, do you know, I probably did actually, because yeah. my dad used to sponsor. Father was regularly on the sideline. Well, he, he was, was yeah. There. So, yeah, back in the old days, Canada's Partnership used to sponsor North Walsham, used to go and watch now again. But that was in their pomp, Webby, before you started watching, <laughs> you know, Jeff Portfleet and watching when they were really good. Yeah, so I used to have all sorts of different ties in the car. But yeah. these days, I don't know, you turn up wearing a tie to see people, they don't always necessarily think it's the right thing to do. I think the tie's gone. I think the, the grain trade historically would have been very much a tie wearer. But now, yeah. now gone. And these days, you sat here in basically pyjamas by un, the looks un, of it. Unshaven, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so then, good as if, hypothetically, I've made my millions. Well, you made, already have, Webby, have, so yeah, yeah. Garrett, yeah. Made a bit of rollover. Yeah. And I'm thinking, right... I'm going to buy some farmland. Right. How would I go about it? Okay. So, obviously, the first thing you need to do is to ring a good agent, Webby. That's what Tom you need Gidley, to do. TG hotline, yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah. So, so, say you ring me up and you go, you know, hi, I've just sold, I don't know, some land for development and I've got a budget of, I don't know, let's say five million pounds. Yeah. And I'd, I'd like to roll it into some farmland, perhaps with a house to enjoy, move up here, tax benefits, everything else. So, we'd sit down, have a chat, see exactly what you wanted and where you ideally wanted to be. And then, you know, ultimately, and this is often the tricky bit, 
you know, you, you sometimes have, you have to go knock on some doors, actually. Um, Almost a cold call kind of set up. Yeah, saying, yeah to a certain extent, but there, there are ways to do it. And I think probably, you know, when I first started, I think a lot of people would take quite a bit of offence. You'd be very, very careful. It's That's tough. It's a hugely really sensitive, yeah. sensitive yeah. thing. But I think now, with farming changing a little bit and perhaps the sort of the current generation of, of, of owners are perhaps a bit more receptive to some ideas. Mm. So it might be a case of saying to somebody, well, I really want to be in this area, would you consider a sale and lease back, for mm. example? So they might okay. sell yeah. it with a, you know, perhaps a five-year five FPT or cash, yeah. CFA yeah. or something like yeah. that. Back, so, so that might work. But it's also a case of knowing your market as well, mm. knowing who's around, knowing who's at what stage in life, and just sort of trying to find the right thing for the client and ultimately you know most people if you do say look if you're ever interested in selling we've got somebody we'd like to buy Mm. most people these days will say look thanks very much nice to know but Mm. you know i'm okay for for a bit Mm. thank you very much Mm. but it's just also it's rumors you know it's what you hear on the grapevine going back to business development that's the old boy network doesn't it and Uh, yeah yeah, a little yeah, bit. And, you know, you, you hear it from all different sources. You know, you, you joke, but if you ever sat on the shoot trailer and you hear, oh, so-and-so's packing up shooting next year, you think, well, why is that? What are they doing? Yeah. You, know, you know, what's happening? And that might just be the catalyst behind something. So you never know. So you've always got to keep yeah. your ears yeah. open. Do you think, um, where do you see, be careful what I say now, but the farm seem to be getting bigger and bigger. The smaller farmer is maybe losing some interest in it yeah. a bit possibly it whether can, whether that means putting it out on a, a you know getting contractor yeah. in to do it but it seems from an outside perspective that there's a few more coming onto the market yeah it goes through waves doesn't it farming i think the hike in interest rates you know if the farm business is carrying a little bit of borrowing one of the easiest ways to deal with it is to potentially carve off a bit of land and, and sell it away it's not mm. necessarily sustainable but if things change and turn around then that's what's got to be done but yeah, you know, some of these big businesses, which are well run, especially if there's money from external sources, can weather the storm more easily. But also, you know, I remember when I went to Newcastle University in 99, you know, I, I started off reading straight agriculture. And I remember father said to me, he's like, look, you know, farming is in the doldrums. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go and do something else? And then if things change and alter, you can potentially always revert. And I think back then in 99, the wheat prices were like 58 quid a ton. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. For a bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was horrendous. Back then, the next generation were all being told the same thing, mm. go and do something else. Mm. So what that means is that there'll be quite a lot of farms out there back then, and I think probably coming forward, which will be let out on CFAs mm. or potentially the conversation about selling, mm. you know, and doing something else with the money, you know, if the next generation aren't interested. And it probably makes some sense. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it, yeah, farming went through or has been through some very unsexy phases, hasn't it? Yeah. And generationally, people have been pushed into other careers and other avenues. So. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Grain trader and land agent, whatever. Exactly. That's what happens. Yeah, you're sat in a nice warm office rather than out there trying to get exactly. potatoes and sugar beet out of the ground or wheat in the ground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it'll all change again at some point. Yeah. But I think there will be quite a lot of land traded next year. I haven't yet spoken to Would you be building a pipeline now for next year? Yeah, we're getting prepared. So I've had a few uh, people who are looking to sell bits and bobs. So yeah, we want to be well prepared. And actually, that's the other thing, say to all your podcast listeners, is that you know you don't just go and bring something to the market straight away. You need to be really mm. well organised. You need to get the lawyers involved in early stage. You know, I mean, with Walterton, okay, there's a lot of moving parts there. You know, we had a very good legal team 
acting on behalf of our clients. And we started eight months before yeah. we went to market yeah. because it needs to be organised and sorted out. And also engaging with the accountant as well to make sure you can plan yeah. tax-wise. Yeah. So, yeah, that whole process starts early. So yeah. I've been seeing people having things photographed end of the summer, middle of yeah. the summer, ready to go to the market in the spring or early summer so this what, year. What would a full sort of conveyance period take to hand over from the moment of thinking of putting your farm on the market to sort um, of shutting the door? It, it obviously depends how complicated it is. If it's, if it's 100 acres of bare land and it's all registered title, yeah. then it should be pretty straightforward. If it's, you know, a couple of these things, I mean, Shrop, Manor Farm Shropham was complicated. You know, it was about 700 acres. There were quite a few tenants. There's quite a few properties. There were various licenses for, you know, turkey production and root crop production as well. So quite a lot of things going on. And, you know, that was a complex sale. So, you know, the solicitors were involved early, got organised, but actually the conveyance took took a little bit of time, but mainly also because you're selling to a fund. Okay, yeah. So the, for yeah. the fund have various criteria that they have to make yeah. sure everything is in line. So would something like that be a year start to finish? Uh, yeah, probably. Probably yeah. not far off that. I mean, from, yeah. from the actual, again, we had a good legal team on it. Very good. Two good legal teams, buyer and seller had good legal teams on it and we set up a proper data room so all that information could be shared very easily but it took from us accepting the offer to exchanging contracts probably took let me think now would have taken probably three months okay three and a half months something like that which actually was pretty good effort considering Mm. i mean the data room was colossal all the information but then with walterton you know we had a buyer who ultimately could make their own decision so if there were a, a couple of minor things, they could take a view. You know, there was no bank borrowing, so they're not reporting to the bank. So It's not a bad position to be for, for a pad like that. Good position so, yeah. to be in. Yeah. But yeah, so for that, it actually went relatively smoothly mm. and quite quickly. Mm. Again, but lawyers, good legal team mm. on both sides. Do you see, something we briefly touched on earlier, land being bought by funds completely away from an agricultural use more to do with a carbon offset is that kind of coming into conversations yeah a little bit you know there's some big businesses there was for example let's say hypothetically an airline saying shit we've got a massive carbon exposure coming up let's buy some land interesting i see virgin are flying a plane aren't they they are today today, which is running on on edible oils yeah they Mm. are a little you get a bit of interest. It's not quite yet concrete. It's not come up here yet. Mm. In other parts of the country, there has been some deals done. Have there? Okay. Yeah. But I think it will come in. Mm. And are those deals done, are they farming or are they just trying to land bank? Is that what the idea is? Let's own the, the land now, mm. see where the future goes. Yeah, I think being getting prepared. Yeah. Again, I haven't been involved personally in any of those deals. It's mm. a big corporates. Okay. But I think it's getting prepared. So, yeah. and then you then move on to right has to be sustainable agriculture, regenerative mm. agriculture, everything else, which mm. is hopefully going to help them to lock in some carbon. So, when they're reporting to their shareholders on their mm. socking great annual accounts, yeah. they can have a section which says this is what we're doing, and aren't we aren't we good? Yeah. So there'll be a bit of that as well. It's just so. another buyer in the mix, isn't it? Really, it's another thing to. Y- yeah, exactly. It is. But again. I think for Norfolk, it hasn't really got up here yet. I don't know whether any any other agents have, have traded any land like that, but I haven't, not up here yet. Interesting. Tom, I think we leave it there. Thank you very much. It's, uh, I really appreciate you coming in and spending yet another morning out of the office, but um, really, really kind of you. Webby, you are, you are welcome. I'm looking forward to when you can grow into that jumper that you've bought. <laughs>
<laughs> if you you guys keep going with the amount of biscuits you've got in here, it's not going to take long. <laughs> Gotta have a good selection. Yeah. But no, it's uh, it's great. Really good to see you. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll catch you again. Yeah. Right well, you know, quick plug. Any of your listeners want to have a chat, then you know, look me up at Stratton Parker. Mm. And um, yeah, be pleased to come and have a chat. With them. Cheers, Tom. Okay. Catch you, Thanks, Bobby. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get updates on new episodes and when they are released. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk.